Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Hey, if you've been following us, uh, you know that over the last eight weeks my wife joined me and we did a series on marriage and I certainly thank her for joining me for that. And I think we shared a lot of good things that would help any marriage uh, or uh, if you're, you know, planning on getting married, it would be good to listen to that before you got married. Anyway, that's, that's on, uh, it's in our archives. You can go into our archives and get those, la those, you know, the last eight weeks, you can get those sessions for free. And uh, again, I want to thank my wife for helping me with that. But today we're going to move on and I feel kind of <laughs> lonesome here without having her with me. But uh, anyway, she's teaching, you know, lessons on Wednesday evenings. So if, if you, you know, take advantage of what she's sharing, she has much wonderful wisdom of the word of God to share. And of course, I'm doing the Sunday morning. So we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pick back up teaching here by myself with, uh, without her by my side, but uh, trust with the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to do a decent job. So with that being said, uh, what I want to do today is I want to begin a series on prayer, on prayer. You know, prayer is a very, very important thing that should be a part of every Christian's daily life. And uh, I, don't know, I just felt impressed of the Lord to spend several weeks uh, talking about the subject of prayer. So we'll proceed with that and just go on as long as... as uh, as we feel, uh, as we feel, uh, you know, as long, as long as it takes to get everything in. So, uh, so let's begin talking about prayer today. And actually what I want to do starting today and over the next, uh, I guess today and next session is I want to look at, uh, prayer lessons from Jesus, from the Lord himself, uh, prayer lessons things that we learn about prayer from just observing his life. And so I'm going to take two sessions for that. And then, and then after that, we're going to delve more deeply in, into, I guess we could say the, the actual mechanics of prayer and the, the, you know, there's different kinds of prayer. And, and a lot of people, a lot of Christians just don't understand that, that there's different kinds of prayer and so uh, after these first two sessions on lessons that we learned from Jesus's life uh, as he prayed, then we're going to delve into, as I said, uh, those different kinds of prayer and look at the, the, the rules that govern each kind and so on and so forth. And I think it'll be a great blessing. Uh, so many Christians, actually, in my, my observance over the last, you know, 30, 30 plus years, there's, there's, now, there's a lot of Christians who do pray, but there are so many that, that don't, but sad to say, but among the ones that do, uh, it, it never ceased to amaze me at how many didn't have a clue really about, they didn't even know that there were different kinds of prayer, and they certainly didn't, didn't realize the, the biblical rules that govern that govern the different kinds of prayer. So anyway, that's just kind of a setup for what we're going to do today and then where we're headed over the next several uh, weeks, maybe maybe month or two. We'll just see how long it goes. But let's go to John, the seventh chapter, and the 53rd verse, right at the end of John chapter 7, 
verse 53, and then we're going to go right in to John chapter 8, verse 1. And it's very important what this says here, and a lot of times it gets overlooked because there's a chapter break. But remember, the, the chapters and the verses were put in by the translators. So these verses really go back to back. But this, this major point here gets missed a lot of times because of the chapter break. But, but it's so important that you see this. And uh, let, let me, let's, let's just read it here. John 7, verse 53 says, And everyone went to his own house. So you can read up above in the verses to see what was going on prior to this. But as we come to John chapter 7, verse 53, uh, it says, And everyone went to his own house. So everybody went, when the crowd broke up, everyone went to their own house. Okay. But notice in chapter 8, verse 1, where Jesus went. It, 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 it didn't say he went back to the house. It said, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now I so, okay, so he went to the Mount of Olives. Well, you need to realize that that was a place where he would go to pray. Okay, and, and, we, and we'll see as we go through this, this series that Jesus, I mean, now everybody who knows anything about the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would agree that Jesus, the Lord himself, had, had power in his life. Okay? Absolutely. That all the miracles and everything, the healing miracles, I mean, that's power. And everybody would agree that, you know, Jesus had great power. Now, you know, a lot of times people think that that power that he had was just, just because he was God in the flesh. But you need to realize that Jesus, though he was God in the flesh, that when he was born of the virgin, he laid down not his possession of deity, but he laid down his expression of deity. And he didn't operate here in the earth as God during his earthly ministry. He operated, though he was God, he didn't operate as God. He operated as a man. And of course, we see it as water, bapti as water baptism that he was also then baptized with the Holy Spirit because when he came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended upon him and remained upon him. And he operated in his earthly three and a half year ministry as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. Now, you, but, okay. And so, okay. And people say, okay, all right, we, we, we see that. Absolutely. And of course, we understand that, that, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you know, produces power. And, and, and he did, he did what he did as he was, Jesus operated as he was directed by the Holy Spirit and, and, and operated under the power of the Holy Spirit. But you also need to realize, and this is, this is what I'm trying to get at here, is that, that Jesus had that power in his, Life and ministry, you know, not because he was God, though he was God, but he was operating as a man, okay, and anointed by the Holy Spirit, which we just said. But here's an aspect, and this is what I want to get at here, is he had that power in his life because he was a person of prayer. Jesus spent 
so much time with his heavenly father in prayer. During that three and a half years of ministry, you see where Jesus is at prayer time and time again. And then, you know, we wonder, well, why did he have such power in his ministry? Well, he, he yes, he had, the, he had the, the power of the spirit upon him. You know, the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. See, that's emphasizing his humanity. How God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And then he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil with that power. But that power, as you study the scripture, you see that that was active because Jesus was a person of prayer, and you see it again and again and again, where Jesus is at prayer, and then you know, you say, well, how, how come he had such power in his life? Because he was a person of prayer. He was a person of prayer, and that's a point I want to drive home to everybody: is that Jesus had such power in his in his ministry in his life because he was a person of prayer. You see, and he was again and again, as we'll go through here, you see him at prayer. You see Jesus at prayer. He's going to prayer or coming from prayer. <laughs> he spent so much time with his heavenly father. And then you see as a result, he, he had that power active in his life. And Jesus not only is our Lord, but he's our example. And so I want to share these things with you today and next time. For you to see, you know, to see his life and ministry and that that's he's our example and we should be like him. OK, so right here says in John seven fifty three, when everybody else was going to their own house, Jesus didn't go to his own house. He went chapter eight of John chapter eight, verse one. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and he went there to pray. No doubt he went there to pray. So, you know. You wonder why some people have such power, particularly some ministers have such power in their lives and ministry, and why certain Christians have such power in their lives and so forth. Well, it's because, because while everybody else, you know, is going to their own house, houses and going doing their own things and, 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 you know, occupied with all these other things, others are going to prayer. Uh, the, the, the Christians that I have met over the last, uh, you know, 40 some odd years or more of my life that had the Christians that had power about them, the power of the spirit, without exception, every last one of them was a person of prayer. You will not have the power of God in your life to any degree consistently over time unless you are a person of prayer and so many people are going and doing their own things and they're not going to prayer and then they wonder why they don't have power on an ongoing basis in their lives if you want to have power the power of the spirit of god you know you can be born again saved on your way to heaven and you can be baptized with the holy spirit you know have that, that great blessing but if you're not a person of prayer, even though you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have the power of God in your life as you should or as you could, you know, with, without being a person of prayer. So hopefully this series will whet your appetite 
to if you're not a uh, you know if you're not a person of prayer to become a person of prayer. And uh, I just feel impressed to say this. I, I watched a lot of Christians over the years. You know, they're going to they're going to their own house, doing their own things, and so few really go to the place of prayer. You know, but we need to set all these other things aside and go to the place of prayer and pray and seek the Lord. And then and only then, as I've been reiterating, will you have the power of God in your life on a regular and ongoing basis. So while everyone else went to his own house, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and he'd go there to pray. And again and again, you see Jesus, you'll see this. He pulls aside and he prays or he goes off into a desert place and prays, praying, praying, praying. Spending time with the Heavenly Father. You know, prayer, simply put, just simply put, is just, uh, I say it this way, it's a two-way communication with, with God. You know, it's simply talking to God and listening to what He has to say. And when I say listening, I have to, you know, clarify that, you know, God can speak in an audible voice, but He typically does not, you know, to us. But we spend time with him and we pray, we talk to him and then we're quiet before him and we listen and he'll speak to our hearts with that, what the Bible calls that still small voice. I've already seen folks go into prayer and, you know, they get before the Lord and they'll spend, you know, a good amount of time there and they do all the talking. And then, and then they come out of that time of prayer and they wonder, you know, they'll say, well, God, you know, well, God never you know, when I pray, I never hear anything back from the Lord. Well, did you ever think it's because you're doing all the talking? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I think we'd all agree that God is a whole lot smarter than we are. You know, when I get around somebody that's a whole lot smarter than me, I I, I zip my lip and I want to hear what they have to say. And if I do all the talking, they're never going to get a chance to say anything. And, and I'm, I'm going to leave that conversation no better off than when I got there. And so many people do that with God. They get along with the Lord and they do all the talking and, and they get done. They walk away and then they say, well, God never speaks to me. I never hear him say anything. It's still small voice. Well, it's because you're maybe maybe it's because you're just doing all the talking. So prayer is a two way communication with the heavenly father, you know, with with God. You know, you understand that with God and 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 we need to talk to him. And and the Bible says we should let our requests be made known to him and talk to him. But then we also, you know, we have two ears and one mouth. We ought to do twice as much listening as we do talking, as as someone so aptly pointed out one time, you know. And so so prayer, you know, and, and I hope to show you over the next many weeks that prayer is not, you know, the because I've dealt with so many people, you know, over the years and they, you know, they think prayer is this thing where you, you, where you have to, you know, get down on your knees and bow your head and close your eyes and put your hands together. And, 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 you know, they, they, they've, what am I, how am I trying to say, what am I trying to say here that so many people have made this, this woo, you know what I mean? This thing about praying and that you have to you know, be in a certain place in a certain position with your eyes closed and your hands folded for God to hear you. But no, look, prayer is just talking to God. That's what I'm trying to get across to you is just talking to God like you'd talk to your husband or talk to your wife or talk to, you know, someone, your boss at work. I mean, it's like or your friend, you know, talking, just talking to him. 
You don't have to be down on your knees. You can be. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You can have your eyes closed. You don't have to have your hands clasped or you know, put folded together. You can. <laughs> but that, he's not going to hear you because you're doing that. Just talk to him. you know. And then after you talk to him, hush your mouth and listen right down on the inside and you know, hear what he, what he has to say. And, 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 you know, so many times I've come from prayer and, 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 <laughs> and God does, he, you know, and I'm listening and he's just not always talking. Some people, you think God's talking all the time, all the time saying something to him. I'm always cautious of those kinds of people that are always supposedly hearing something from God, you know, and, and you get right down to it with those people. They're not really spending any time in the word of God my experience has been they're just you know always supposedly hearing something from God and those are some of the squirreliest people you'll ever meet in the world you know and I'd say most of the time when I come from prayer I hadn't heard anything from the Lord I know in my experience a lot of times when I'm in prayer he don't say anything to me (laughs) but I'll be driving in the car or I'll be I'll be taking a shower or I'll be out jogging or I'll, I'll be doing, you know, something that, you know, you wouldn't think he'd speak to you in a moment like that. And that's when he starts talking to me, <laughs> you know, and so I've never been able to figure him out on that. But uh, and there's been a time where, you know, sometimes over the years where he has spoke to me in prayer. But usually he don't say anything to me when I'm praying. I, I'm listening. <laughs> I'll be driving down the road. He just speaks up and says something to me or answers a question that I had for him in prayer. But anyway, that's been my experience. But but we need to be people of prayer. So I have much to say about this subject to you as we go along over the next many weeks. But let's get into this. Prayer lessons from Jesus. Now, I, now I found nine of them. Now, there, there may well be more. But nine major prayer lessons that I found from him. And let, let us write in the Word of God. Let's go to John, the eighth chapter. You know, let's be like Jesus. When everybody else is going doing their, going back to their house to do whatever they're going to do, let's you and I. Now, there's times we need to go to our house and do things. I'm not saying that. You know, you know what I'm saying. When, when everybody else is going doing their own thing, let us go. Let's go pray. What do you say? Like Jesus did. Now, uh, the first lesson that I've learned from him is, uh, and you could put these in any order. These nine I'm going to give you, but I, these are the order that I put them in. Uh Lessons from Jesus at prayer. So here we go. Number one, prayer prepares you for the unexpected, difficult situations of life. Prayer prepares you for the difficult, unexpected situations of life. Have you ever run into a difficult, unexpected situation? You didn't expect this difficult thing to come up and there it is right on your doorstep. That's happened to me more than once over the many years, a lot of times. But you see, if you if you're prayed up, you know, if you've been spending time with the Lord in prayer, you'll be prepared for the unexpected, difficult situations of life. OK, and so let's go to John chapter eight, verse two it says now early in the morning. These are lessons we learn from Jesus at prayer. Now, early in the morning. He came and you study the context of that. And I'll let you do that. You can see he came, well, in chapter 8, verse 1, he went to the Mount of Olives. He goes there to pray. And now we're in, we're in John 8, verse 2. Now, early in the morning, he came. Well, where did he come from? He came from prayer. Jesus came from prayer again into the temple. So he wasn't just praying when he was in the temple. A lot of people think you just, you go to, the only time you pray is at church. <laughs> 
<laughs> you better be doing a whole lot more praying than at church when than when you're at church. Now you ought, you should pray in church too, but you ought to you ought to have a lifestyle of prayer about you. You know, and you you know. I mean, there's times I pull away and I just spend time with the Lord, just pulled away. But so much of the time I'm in communication with him all the time. Just, you know, just talking to him like I talk to my wife, you know, absolutely. Out driving on the lawnmower, cutting the lawn around my house, you're talking to the Lord, you know, just, just driving in the car. You know, whatever it may be, jogging in the evenings when I go jogging, talking to the Lord. Now, I don't talk to him all the time, but, but just having an attitude of prayer about you all the time listening just being open to hear whatever he might have to say whatever he wants to wants to say through that still small voice on the inside that inward knowing you could call it that too i suppose but he comes from prayer and he comes into the temple so he'd been doing his praying on the mount of olives and he comes to the temple he came to church you better come to church all prayed up absolutely you don't, so many come to church just, they, the only time they pray is when they're at church. But you ought to be doing praying before you get to church and after you go home from church and at church. Well, pray, just, you know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you can be down on your knees all the time praying with your heads bowed, your eyes closed and your hands clasped together like that. But it means we can have, to pray without ceasing means that we can have an attitude of prayer about us all the time. Anyway, Jesus, he's on the Mount of Olives. He comes down, comes into the temple, comes from prayer. And all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had uh, set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Now, you talk about a, an unexpected, difficult situation. This was one of them because now Jesus is being questioned with a, I mean, what these religious uh, leaders did, these despicable people. I mean, they didn't care anything about that woman caught in adultery. All they wanted to do was try to catch Jesus, you know, in a situation where he was between a rock and a hard place and a catch 20... Two, if you, excuse me, in a catch 22, if you will, you know, where, you know, it would seem like there's no answer you could give that would be the correct one. And despicable religious leaders here. And they took this lady, they, they, they were waiting for her, no doubt, to be in that adulterous situation. They caught her in the very act. They brought her and threw her down at Jesus' feet. And they asked him a, a difficult question, very difficult. And said, hey, the law of Moses said that she should be stoned. But what do you say? So Jesus is in a tough spot here to give the answer. And to stone her, uh, uh, you know, because the law of Moses said that she needs to be stoned. And so if he says, well, don't stone her, he's violating. If Jesus says don't stone her, he's violating the law of Moses. And if he says stone her, then he's going to be. Uh, you know, uh, violating what he's been teaching on love and forgiveness. So now what does he do? He, you know, we're talking about being prepared for the unexpected, difficult situations of life. And, and so they said, well, what do you say? Well, if he says, again, you know, if, if he says, well, don't, don't stone her, you know, don't stone her, then, well, the law of Moses said stone her. So you're violating the law if, we, if you tell us not to stone her. You know, and if he says, well, go ahead, stone her. 
then, then he's violating the law of, uh, or the, uh, the principles he's been teaching on love and forgiveness. That's a, that's a tough situation to be in. Looks like he doesn't have an answer to, that he could give that would, that would, that would do. <laughs> but you know what? I found this with, with walking with the Lord and being in communication with him. And, you know, when choice A is not the, not the right one, choice B isn't the right one, you can just yield to the Holy Spirit. You're in communion with him through prayer and you yield to him and just wait on him and he'll give you, he'll give you choice C that, that isn't choice A, it's not choice B, but he'll give you choice C and he'll get you out of a tough spot. Absolutely. He's done that with me more then once I remember one time I had a couple, they had, they got me in my office and they were, their, their child was, they, had, they raised their child in church and, uh, uh, their child was probably in their, uh, early to mid twenties and they were acting up and living ungodly. And, and this couple, this man, and this woman, church members, they, they were good people. They, they got me in my office and that's fine. We sitting there and they, they, they kind of reared up at me and, and they were they were agitated with with me and they were agitated with the Lord. And they said, they said, Pastor, the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And now we trained up our child in the way they should go. And, and now uh, it looks like they've departed from it. And uh, looks like looks like God may have not been telling the truth what he said that when he put that in the Bible. What what you know, explain this to us. And they were they were they were serious. I mean, they were up. They were upset. And I'm sitting there, well, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And, I, <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there, and they want an answer. I mean, they're waiting for an answer. They said, answer that question. We trained a child up in the way they should go, in the ways of the Lord. Now, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're in, I think they were like in their early to mid-20s, and, and they, they're living ungodly. They, it looks like they've departed from it. The Bible said they wouldn't answer it. And I'm sitting there, yeah, the Spirit of God, glory to God, right on the inside. Right on the inside, I did not hear an audible voice, but boy, he got me out of a tough spot. Right on the inside, the Holy Ghost did. Right on the inside, he said, he said, tell them their child's not old yet. <laughs> oh, I think about that. And I said, your child's not old yet. See, train up a child in the way he should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And I said, they're not old yet. And they kind of batted their eyes. They looked at each other and they said, well, that's right. They're not old yet. They're only in their like mid, mid twenties. They're not old yet. So the Bible said when they're old, they'll depart from it. Uh, they'll not, if when, when they're train up a child in the way should, they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. I said, the Holy Ghost told me to tell them they're not old yet. And, and that's, boy, he got me out of it. The Holy Ghost got me out of a tough spot. I had spent some extra time, thankfully praying uh, before that meeting with them. <laughs> and I was, you know, I, I was, I was, you see, I was ready. I was ready for <laughs> glory to God. Now I wasn't the whole, I, well, I, I prayed, but the Holy ghost, give him all the credit. He gave me, well, he got me out of a tough spot. They're not old yet. Well, that answers that, didn't it? It has sufficed them. And I told him, just keep standing on that scripture. The Bible says that they're only in their mid twenties when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Glory to God. So Jesus is in a tough spot here. Now, he was in a lot tougher spot than I was in, but he's in a tough spot. And uh, he said, but they said, but what do you say? And this they said, testing him, testing him. See, there's a test. We're talking about how prayer will prepare you for the unexpected, difficult tests that come up. 
And uh, this they said, verse 6, testing him. This is John 8, verse 6. Testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. Okay. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now, I like that. So he did. He wasn't just quick to answer him. You know, he's he just what's he doing? Somebody asked me, well, what was he writing on the ground? Well, I don't know. I don't know what he was writing on the ground. Uh, you know, I heard one preacher one time make a good argument as to what he might have been writing. But, I, you know, I don't know. But I know I, I would say this. Just this is just me speculating. But I know when the finger of God writes, he writes the Ten Commandments. <laughs> is that right? Look back at the Old Testament when the finger, Jesus is God in the flesh. You know, I know he's not operating as God, but he's still God. And he's, his finger is the finger of God. And when he starts writing, we see in the Old Testament, he wrote the Ten Commandments. I think, I just think this, that what probably happened here is he probably, he started writing those Ten Commandments. And it's very likely, now I can't prove it, you can't disprove it, so I'm just speculating, but could it be possible that those people there that were accusing him as he wrote those Ten Commandments, now he might have just, I don't know what he wrote, he might not have written the Ten Commandments, but I think it's very possible he wrote the Ten Commandments. And then, speculating, you know, he may just wrote the Ten Commandments, but he, he may well, and I don't know, could it be possible that he might have wrote some of them people that were accusing this woman? He might have wrote their name, side of which commandments they broke. I don't know. <laughs> but but he's writing something. He's, he wrote on the ground with his fingers, though he did not hear. And I think while he's doing this too, I believe he's waiting on the Holy Ghost. Because <laughs> if he says stoner, you know, is violating his teaching on love and forgiveness. If he says, don't stoner, he's violating the law of Moses. He's waiting on the Holy Ghost to give him, give him C. You know, A, A, you don't answer A, don't answer B. He's waiting on, what, what, what is the C going to be? And uh, so they continued asking him because he's like ignoring them. And they continued asking him. He raised himself up again. Uh, he raised himself up and said to them, now, oh man, this is one of the greatest statements in all the Bible. Whew, man, I like this. He raises up and he says to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. I mean, that's the, that's the coolest answer. That, I mean, that's, that was right on the money. And, and, and that's why I think he was writing down the, the Ten Commandments. Now, he may or may not have been writing their names who, you know, next to which commandment they broke. Maybe he wasn't doing that. But I'm, I'm, I'm good and settled in my heart that he was writing those Ten Commandments. And he said, uh, he said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Whew, that's a good answer, isn't it? I mean, I mean, the, I mean, he, I believe he was waiting on the Holy Ghost to give him that answer because he, he was a man anointed with the Holy Spirit, but he was in communion with the Heavenly Father and, and, and the Holy Spirit, you know, through prayer. And, 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 and he says, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. That is, that is, that's a good answer, isn't it? Absolutely. He didn't tell them to stone her and he didn't tell them not to stone her. <laughs> but he said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So maybe the first time he wrote, he wrote the Ten Commandments, and then he said that. Maybe he went down there the second time and start writing their names next to the ones they... I'm just speculating, but it could have happened. 
and again, he stoops down on the ground and he writes. And uh, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Glory to God, that disarmed them, didn't it? That disarmed those religious hypocrites, didn't it? Absolutely it did. Now, but you see, he came from prayer. He was in communion with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. He came from prayer. And oh, I tell you what, he was open and attuned to the voice of the Spirit of God. And I believe he heard from the Spirit of God. And, and, and because Jesus in his humanity... So, well, he knew everything, Pastor Terry. Well, if he knew everything in his humanity, why was it that when the woman with the issue of blood grabbed him by the, by the, the, the hem of the garment, he said, he, he said, who touched me? Hmm? Why is it when they, that, you know, he took that coin and asked, whose inscriptions on that, on, on that, on that, uh, whose inscription is this on that coin? If he was operating as God, he wouldn't have had to ask, you know, ask those questions. He'd have known everything. See, he was God. He just wasn't operating as God in his earthly ministry, you know, for those 33 and a half years that he was here on the earth. And, and during that three and a half years of, uh, of public ministry, operating as a man and during that public ministry, anointed with the Holy Ghost. And he was what, so he, I believe this, this was an unexpected, difficult situation, but he was prepared because while everyone else was going to their own house, he had went to the Mount of Olives. Glory to God that he was, he come from prayer and he was prepared for the unex, this unexpected, difficult situation. And I tell you what, prayer doesn't just help us. I'm sure that lady taken in adultery was very happy that, that the Lord had come from prayer and that he was ready to give that answer. I'm sure she was rejoicing too. Glory to God. And of course, you know, he didn't condemn her, but he, he didn't condone the, he didn't condemn her, but he didn't condone the sin. And he tells her, you know, don't, you know, go and don't sin anymore. Glory to God. Well, <laughs> we need to be people of prayer, don't we? In tune with the Father, in tune with the Lord Jesus, in tune with the Holy Ghost. So prayer prepares us for the unexpected, difficult situations of life. That's a lesson we can learn from Jesus's prayer life. Absolutely. Do you have a prayer life? Well, if you do, praise God. If you don't, get to it. Get to it. Now let's look at a, a second lesson here. Prayer is required for the power of God to be present and the extraordinary to be experienced. This is another lesson we learned from the Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer is required for the power of God to be present and the extraordinary to be experienced. Look at Luke, the fifth chapter. Look at Luke, the fifth chapter, verse 15. However, the report went out concerning him all the more and great multitudes came together to hear and he healed uh, and, and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Let me read that again. However, this is Luke 5, Luke 5, verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him. See, folks didn't come just to be healed. They came to hear him first. So many people come they want to be, that I've dealt with. They want to come and they don't want to hear anything. They just want to be healed so they can go on living their own life the way they've been 
and we've not had a, a good success rate getting those people healed by the power of God, but the ones who have come to hear the word, uh, we've had a good success rate with getting those people healed over the last three decades, but be that as it may, they, they came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Verse 16, now watch this, Luke 5, 16. So he himself often, underline that word often, withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. See, there's, uh, there, there, there's power in his life because, why? Because Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Verse 17, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there uh, were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal, to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, why was that power present to heal them? Well, the answer is in verse 16. We just read it. Because Jesus himself often... Again, underline that word often. Often withdrew into the wilderness. That means he got alone by himself with, with the Heavenly Father, with the Holy Spirit, and prayed, communicated with his Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Oh, underline that. Highlight that whole verse. Not just often, but or I said often, but oh, put a highlighter on that first on, on, on verse 16. Put a highlighter on that and then, and then underline that word often. He himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And he's our example. So we ought to often withdraw from, you know, from, from people and get alone with God and pray. Now, yeah, you could pray with people. We'll see that that one of the types of prayer as we go down the road here is corporate prayer. And that's where you're praying together with other other believers. And that's very good and very powerful. It falls under the what's known as a prayer of agreement. And we'll get into that as we go. But but there's times where you just need to pull aside and get 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 off by yourself with the Lord and pray and commune with with the heavenly father. You understand that. So Jesus did that often. And then what did it result in? The power of the Lord was present to heal. And this is a situation, if if we took the time and read on, where that paralytic was brought up. You know, they tried to get into Jesus and there were so many people there they couldn't. So they went up on the roof, tore the roof off and lowered the guy, you know, on that on that cot, on that bed down in front of the Lord. And the Lord, you know, healed him. Glory to God. Praise God. But you see, you know, we look at that great power that Jesus had there. And uh, but but we don't want to overlook verse 16 because verse 16 will tell us why that power was there. It wasn't just because I say it again. It wasn't just because Jesus was God, though he was God. He wasn't operating as God. And it wasn't just because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, although that's a big part of it. But 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 what 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 activated that power? Much we could say, but, but what I'm trying to get through to you out of, out of this lesson today and as we go over the next many weeks, it was because Jesus was a person of prayer and he consecrated and he dedicated his life before the Heavenly Father. It was in communion with him through prayer, praying. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And verse 26 here of Luke 5 says, 
And, and, and of course, when that paralytic got up and was, was healed, it says they were all amazed and they glorified God. Verse 26, Luke 5, 26, they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Actually, that word strange means extraordinary. Glory to God. So prayer is required for the power of God to be present and the extraordinary to be experienced. Glory to God. So be a person of prayer and the power of God will be present. If you, I, again, if you want the power of God operating in your, in your midst, in your life, in your midst on a regular ongoing basis, you're going to have to be a person, a person of prayer. Now let's look at a third lesson that we learned from Jesus's prayer life is, and it's here in Luke, the sixth chapter, Luke, the sixth chapter prayer prepares you. If you're taking notes, write this down. Prayer prepares you to make important decisions. Prayer prepares you to make important decisions. Have you ever had to make a decision? I mean, an important one. I don't mean about where you're going to go have lunch. I'm talking about, you know, which house are we going to buy or, or, you know, which car are we going to buy or, you know, you know, you know, something concerning your children or, or, you know, which job do I take or, you know, something concerning your health or whatever it could be. Lots of really important decisions to make. Uh, prayer will prepare you to make those decisions because see, prayer is a communication with, with the Heavenly Father, a two-way communication. So you go before Him and, 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 and you know, you, you talk to Him, talk to Him about that decision that, that's, that's coming up in your life and, and seek His face as to what He would have you to do and listen to Him. And he'll, he'll get the, he'll get the answer through to you. He really, really will. You know, if, if you're going before him in faith and your heart's right before him, he'll, he'll get the answer through to you. We'll say more about, uh, about these things as we go. But, but look at this, Luke 6, verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. You know, it's fascinating again to me. I can't overemphasize it. If you really look, because it gets, it gets overlooked so oft times. But if you go in the Bible and you look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at Jesus' ministry, you see him again and again and again going to pray. Going, he's either going to prayer or coming from prayer. <laughs> Seems like he goes to pray, he comes, and there's great mighty things happen, and then he goes back to pray some more. You know? And uh, it came to pass in those days, Luke six twelve, that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He continued all night in prayer to God. <laughs> Think about that. He went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Well, I'd underline that. I'd highlight that. If I were you in your Bible, he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He's communing with the Heavenly Father. And then verse 13, now why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, verse 13 will tell us. And when it was day, when it was day, he called his disciples to himself 
and from them. So he had many, you know, multi, you know, many, many disciples. But he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve. He chose, see, he had to make a decision. And from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. This is what he did before he chose who the twelve apostles would be. Out from the midst of the disciples he had at that time, he chose twelve to be the uh, the, the twelve the twelve apostles. Think about that. That's an important decision, isn't it? I mean, that's an important decision. I mean, because because as it goes on down the road, after he's crucified, raised from the dead, he leaves the gospel message in the hands of these, well, Judas was a traitor, but, but of these 11, very important decisions. Yeah, but, he, but he's God. He knew all about who he was going to choose, uh, you know, before he was even born. Well, look, what have I been telling you again and again? He was God, yes, but he wasn't operating as God. He laid down that expression of deity and he was operating as a man. And as a man, he needed to spend all night with the Heavenly Father to get the direction of the Heavenly Father on which of uh, which 12 to choose. Can't you see his humanity in here? Can't you see that? Didn't he say in another place, the Lord Jesus said, I do nothing unless I see my Father do it. See, he spent time with the Father, listening to him. And, 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 and so he, he didn't know which of the 12 he was going to choose. That's why I went, because he's operating as a man. He went to the Father, and the Father told him which to choose. So he spends all night in prayer to God. When it was day, he calls his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. Wow. So prayer prepares us to make important decisions be a person of prayer and and seek the lord and he'll he'll uh he'll give you the answers he'll give you the the direction that you need to make important decisions it's like where you go to church i've said this for years i'm going to say it again you don't i mean i you don't choose where you go to church you let god choose that for you there's so many people that are in churches that God never told them to go in, but they go there because their friends go there, or because their family goes there, or for some other reason, because they, you know, like a certain program that that church has. No, you get before God, and and God has a church, a local church for everybody. I'm talking a local church now, because as members of the body of Christ, we're a part of the church. What you know, it's. Church Universal, the Body of Christ, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but but God has a particular local church and a pastor for everybody, absolutely, and a place for you to go and be fed and to to serve, absolutely. But you don't choose that. You you go before the Father, let Him tell you and direct you through that 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 peace of God, that that still small voice, that knowing on the inside where you're supposed to be. You, 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 that's an important decision where you go to church. Absolutely it is. It's one of the most important decisions anybody could make is where they go to church. And again, so many go where, well, I'm going, why are you going to that church? Oh, well, my family goes there. They, you know, they always have. All my friends go there. Oh, I like this program they have there. Where did God tell you to go? You know, so you'll get before the Lord. Let him. That's an, that's one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Where you go to, where, what local church you go to. 
<clears throat> you, you go before God and let him, you know, direct you. Absolutely. Uh, prayer prepares you to make important decisions. Now let's do one more. I got nine of these, but time's slipping away. So let's do one more and then, and then, uh, we'll, we'll break and then we'll pick up, pick up next week and, and finish this part of the, uh, of this on prayer lessons of Jesus. Look, listen to this. Number four, if you're taking notes, prayer changes you and prepares you for things to come. Oh, my, 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 my. Prayer changes you and prepares you for things to come. Man, (laughs) prayer, we learn this from the prayer life of Jesus. Prayer changes you and prepares you for things to come. I mean, (laughs) you need to listen to this. Look at Luke 9, verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, and you can read the context and see what, what that's all about, but let's get to the point here. It came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain. What do you think they went up there to do? When Jesus is going up on a mountain, you know, or going out in the desert or whatever, you know, pulling off by himself, it's to pray. So the Bible says they went up on the mountain to pray. And this time he takes Peter, James, and John. And as he prayed, verse 29, Luke 9, 29, as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered or changed. See, a prayer prayer will change you. Uh, it's not the prayer itself that changes you. I mean, it's, it's the being in the presence of the Father that'll change you. And Jesus got up on that mountain and he, and he went up there to pray and he got in the presence of the Heavenly Father. And on this instance here, he was altered. He was changed. He was transformed. And this is called, you know, the instance on the Mount of Transfiguration where he was transfigured and the glory of God was on him and, and about him. And, and he was actually, the, the, you know, the, the, the power and the glory of God. And his, the Bible says that his, the appearance of his face was altered. I mean, this was an awesome event in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter, James, and John were there to uh, witness it and, and, and he told him, he said, don't, don't, we come to go down from the mountain. Don't, don't speak about this until I think he said till after he, he was raised from the dead and so forth. But, but I mean, and, and they did. And Peter talked about it in, in, in his, uh, uh, writings first or second Peter. But be that as it may, prayer will change you. You get in the presence of Almighty God. And, and, and he, in this instance, he was changed transformed and his robe became white and glistening so prayer will change you again it's not the prayer that's changing it's the it's being in the presence of god okay and um now i i need to say this because sometimes we say these things and people will think that you know every time you go into prayer that some spectacular things going to happen. And I said this earlier in this, in this session, but I'll say it again. Most of the time when, when, when I know from my experience, when I've been in prayer before God, 
there hasn't been whoo you know spectacular things happen like i said earlier most of the time i'm in, in prayer i don't feel anything I, you know i don't have goosebumps or nothing like that don't don't even hear anything from the lord i say almost all the time that i go in times i go in and pray or then I'm in prayer, but but like I said earlier, that 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 you know, God, in my experience, God does some other, at some other time would just speak to my heart, not an audible voice, but speak to my heart concerning a situation that I've been praying about. You know, and there's times I've been in prayer and I have felt the presence of God and and the power of God and 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 you, you leave that prayer that time of prayer ch- changed. But I just want you to realize because some. People, they, they just, they think that, well, every time we go pray that we ought to, you know, have goosebumps and the house ought to shake and all of that. That doesn't happen most of the time. Okay. You know, like the apostles, Peter and, uh, was it, uh, not Peter, Paul, Paul and Silas, I believe that we'll see, look at this later when they were in prison and they were praying at midnight. They prayed and singing hymns to God and the whole prison shook. Now that doesn't happen every time that you pray, you know, it's just, but upon occasion. So be a person of prayer and be ready for the occasion. And suddenly, thank God, you know, something spectacular could happen. But but here's the thing. It didn't happen to him all the time. But on this occasion, he was altered and transfigured and the glory of God was upon him. And, and all of that, his robe became white and glistening. And now watch this. So prayer changes you and watch this and prepares you for things to come. Now, and behold, two men talk with him, with Jesus there on the mountain. He's got Peter, James, and John, but he's transfigured. And it says two men talk with him who were Moses and Elijah. Whoa, whoa, think about that. They talk with him. You think about that. They talked with him. Now, what do they speak about? Verse 31, who appeared in glory so that so Moses and Elijah are there and they're talking to him. And, and uh, in this glory and watch this and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem, spoke of his decease. Well, Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross and be crucified. And they're talking to him about that. They're preparing him at the direction, no doubt at the direction of the heavenly father. They're preparing him for things to come. And I tell you what, he's about to go to the cross and bear the sins of all mankind. I mean, I mean, they were preparing him, look, uh, for things to come. They spoke, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease. They spoke about that crucifixion and what, you know, now what all they said about it, I don't know, but they spoke about, the Bible doesn't say, but they spoke of his decease which he was about to accomplish. They were talking to him at Jerusalem. They were talking to him about his upcoming death on the cross. You think about that, what he was going to have to go. I don't know all the details of what they said, but they were preparing him for that. Now, if he hadn't have been a person of prayer, <laughs> he'd have missed that. I'm convinced there's lots of things folk miss because they hadn't been praying as they should. And, and I, I'm convinced that because there's been times in my life when I hadn't prayed as I should. I'm just being honest with you. And I, I, I wonder about some of the things I missed <laughs> during those those spells. But Jesus, you know, he never missed it. He was in prayer and he never missed anything that the Heavenly Father wanted him to have or get. And, and uh, so it, he was changed up there and he got direction and no doubt strength and so forth of, for what was to come. 
He'll prepare you for things to come in prayer. Well, I trust this was a blessing to you today. And I trust that uh, if nothing else, this whet your appetite, that if, if you haven't been a person of prayer, hey, get get to it, okay? Hey, let's stop right here. My time has slipped away. I'll pick up here next week, and we'll continue with lessons from Jesus at prayer. If you're out there and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to receive him right now. It's important that you do. The Bible says there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. And the only way to miss hell and make heaven when you die is to repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So you call on him right now with a repentant heart. Invite him into your life. Just like you'd invite somebody into your house, invite Jesus into your heart. Glory to God. And he'll come in there. He'll save you. You'll get born again. And one day you'll miss hell. When you die, you'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Well, thanks for letting me share the word of God with you today. And like I said, we'll pick up right here next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.